What time is it? Not that time of day. Can't be possible. Where's my kazoo now? He's lost his kazoo. Oh no, I found it. Oh good. Is this thing on? This is Big Green. Here we are again for February 2016. This is Big Green on the event of Residence Day. Here it comes! What have we got? Netflix 27. Who mourns for science? Indeed. Some really lame conversation. Some even lamer kazoo playing. A live rendition of one of our favorite songs. <laughs> Hi, Jake's buddy. Stay tuned. Stay oh, God, but... is Lee Majors. Well, obviously I'm not Lee Majors, and I'm only a stand-in reading his script. I'll do my best to see that the viewing audience know this is no difference between me and Lee, and that their enjoyment of this introduction isn't lessened in any way. Actually, Lee and I were once teamed up to do a buddy cop show. We filmed a pilot and then a couple of episodes, but it didn't sound in the end. For some reason, Lee wasn't believable in the role. I was, though, and I got to call young hoodlums, punks, and low-life trash. I even got to pistol whip a pimp. I found it really got something out of my system. Now please enjoy the following episode of Ned Trek. In my opinion, it is not their best effort, but then again, I'm not in it this time. So, how could it be? Stay tuned. Space. The ultimate marketplace. These are the voyages of the starship Free Enterprise. Its mission of undetermined length. Um, until we're cancelled, I guess. To seek out strange new commodities. Exploitable alien workforces to brazenly amass the largest profits that any corporation has before. Thank you for inviting me down to take my annual physical. You've done your usual thorough good job. Yes, indeed, my hair hasn't felt this good in about an hour. Or since right before you wetted it down with pine sap and pole cat grease. <laughs> 
I swear the thing is taking on a life of its own. It's taking banjo lessons now. I even set it up with its own rustic little private equity firm. I did it for Taint, and I can do it for Hare Jr. Ah, uh, say, it's the most extraordinary thing, sir. Every time some patient of mine gets himself off this here medical contraption, the beeping noise stops. It just can't be coincidental. Good on you for taking all this on, Doc. You're a real credit to the show. I'd never know that there was nothing wrong with me if it weren't for those plastic monitors blinking and beeping like mad. I might think I had a broken leg and be limping around like a pirate for nothing. <laughs> Just imagine me lame. I say, Captain, as much as I would like to signify to you my pleasure in your complimentation to me and your generous expression of heartfelt gratitudes, it's hard for me to take any credit. All I did was take a quick gander at some dabs of Quicksilver going up and down on a fangled machine. A man can't take much pride or take much credit in his work if there's an electronical contraption all up in his business, doing all kinds of fancy diagnosis work, submitting invoices and then drinking away its earnings with a devil's brew of lubricating oil. You know, you're like the John Henry of medicine, except not so African-y. <laughs> Testing the muscle strength of your medical knowledge against the abilities of a steam-powered computer. Who will win? When John Henry was a little baby, a sitting on his John Henry said to shake Now, man, why don't you say? I'm shaking 12 pounds from my hip on down. Can't you hear that pose? <laughs> but Doc, these futuristic machines are here to serve man. In fact, every time I use the turbo lift, I half expect it to serve me up to the robotics bay. Those mechanical reciprocating arms always look so hungry. <laughs> I swear I can hear them calling to me now. I say, Captain, just what are we doing out here? Hoovering in the space ethers. Seems like there's still some hoovering that men can do to remain men. Way back on Earth proper. In fact, I think today is Hoover Day at Stately Romney Mansion 5. We really spruce the place up in honor of my favorite president and his famous sucking invention called the Depression, I think. All I know is that we eventually cleaned up. You know, you could really feel the wind on your back in those days. Yep, it was always pretty windy. I say, are you a-talking about the sea, Captain? <laughs> yes, the sea. Of course I was. It was always pretty windy, even inside the cabins. I think there may have been a pucker hole in the portside keel. <laughs> That's what we yachtsmen call a window. Well, those were the days when commerce blew free and regulations could be drowned along with the union leaders in the deep end of an Olympic-sized swimming pool. That's back when free enterprise really meant something. I say that's for sure. After Sir Francis Drake circumcised the globe with his hundred-foot clipper, nobody expected to hear any backtalk from it. The globe, that is. It just spat out its oil and diamonds on demand. One day we'll tap its nougat center, and then on that day it'll be mine. You mark my words. <laughs> you know, I think I officiated at the opening of that nougat center. That's where the chocolate train stops, isn't it? Don't worry, Doc. We're talking white chocolate. <laughs> That reminds me. You know, a chicken can make you one good meal. Or it can provide you with a thousand breakfasts. Or you can have a thousand chickens delivered to your town estate every week. I say, anyhow, sir, 
I'm fed up with play acting and playing third fiddle to a godforsaken beast. If I can't be top banana here, I'll up and take my practice elsewhere. I honestly don't think any amount of practice is going to help, considering you're just practicing your incompetence. And also, there's somebody here to see you. Another racist fossil by the look of him. Seriously, I think he could serve as his own gravestone. All you'd have to do is bury him sitting up. Right of my way, ducky. I say praise be it's the judge, the governor, the senator. All three rolled into one powerful piece of manhood. I am, of course, referring to none other than the Honorable Strom Thurmond. Are you sure? I thought maybe the trash was learning to take itself out. Although most of our trash is only half that racist. I declare, it would do me a world of satisfaction to horsewhip you, boy. Go ahead and give it a try. I'm betting you'll have a heart attack before your arm comes down once. Gee whiz, Doc. This is like being visited by one of our more racist angels. Hey, Angel Thermondi, are horses to be shunned and cast out as well as dark people? I've got a pen and paper with me. I don't know what you're gabbing about, you lacquered up fence post. You just get and take that oversized pole cat away with you. You tinkers are stinking up my barn. Sure thing, Judge. See you later at the lunch counter, maybe. We can reminisce about how perfect things were in the 1950s. My God, I hate him. He's a watered-down version of his watery wafer of a father. Except with more water added. Now, Coburn, what's this foolishness about you moving on and leaving the show? I see. I believe that I've done my part here. By example, I've shown these people the lucrative path to Jesus. I've taught them to put out an eye with a poker and how to turn the other butt cheek. Now you be quiet and just hold your tongue a minute, Coburn. You can't leave Ned Trick. You owe it to our people to show that proponents of Jim Crow have a place in the future. I want viewers of this stupid show to see hardcore segregationists flying in space along all other kinds of conservatives. A new kind of type, libertarian type. But your capitalist type and us all sitting pretty on the bridge of it. It's up to you now to hold our place in space, or else to promise that segregation now, segregation tomorrow, will all just ring holler. I say I'll do it, Judge. You can count on me. I guess I just needed someone of your legendary standing to show me that what I've been doing this whole time has been right this whole time. Even though somewhere deep down, I knew it this whole time. I can vouch for the fact that you've been a hole this whole time. That is, if you ever need a character witness. Hey, now if you can bear to leave the fossilized remains of the last Dixiecrat, you and I are needed up on the bridge. Captain Fool thought he was calling us on the intercom, but he was just jettisoning the ion pod again. Luckily, only a few Mr. Stephanies were lost. That's okay. Haven't gone through our quota yet. I say, looks like duty calls, Mr. Senator Judge. I'll dismember you in my prayers. Be sure you do that, you Coburn. But before you go, take a look at my withered ass. I think it might have crackatonies. That's a darky disease. Listen, Thurman, if you need more FaceTime, do it on another show. Try hee-haw. They can pluck a banjo to your racist banter. <laughs> Ah, 
outer space. At one time, I thought I might grow tired of seeing stars whiz by the view screen like this, but you know, it kind of grows on you, like a fungus, but the good kind. <laughs> Not that you'd be interested in the operations of the starship, but I'm reading something kind of strange in the script. I mean, on the sensors. It's coming from that uncharted solar system up ahead. Uncharted, you say? Captain, it looks like a giant ham in space. I mean, head. A ham, you say? <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't want his show back. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how to drive it. For instance, this lever here. I'm still not sure what that does. Also, I just about got down all these confusing multi-syllable space terms. Neutrino. He was one of the Marx Brothers, right? I say, a ham! That means we'll be roasting it up tonight. Wait a gosh darn minute. It might be a relative. But that shouldn't change our plans. I'll just have to say a few words before we sit down. Orderly blow blow. Start your cooking going. And start your banjo a plucking. For the fourth time, I said ham, not ham. It's probably just our special effects guy's stupid hand. And it's not the first time either. <laughs> well, what do you know about that? A giant hand in space. Yes, indeed. What do you think the custom is here, customs officer? Do we shake the free enterprise up and down with it firmly? Or maybe we better not. That is, not until our people have had a look at the fine print in some pending intergalactic free trade agreement. I need to make sure that we wrote it. Wouldn't want to be agreeing to any labor rights or environmental regs. <laughs> now that would go against the subprime directive. <laughs> we could invert the ship and high-five the hand... But that might have the unfortunate result of granting tacit approval of reparations or validating some entitlement program. The hand might even expect a, a handout. Oh, oh. Captain, the hand just grasped us pretty tight. I think it may be putting us away in a prop closet. I kind of hope so. I say, I was afraid of this happening out here on this foreign frontier, where all manner of alien perversions pervade the ethers. The space ham is trying to initiate the free enterprise into a godless fellowship. Oh, the upfront blasphemy of holding hands with the alien man. Captain, the owner of this odious space hand is attempting to communicate with us. I suggest we reciprocate by using sign language. And then when it responds in kind with its own lewd gesture, it will have to let us go, and then we can make good our escape. Oh my god! Now there's a gigantic face appearing on the screen! What's next? A giant foot? A foot if we're lucky! This is the end of me! I mean, I mean the end of everything! We're doomed! We're done for! Wish I could think that that was some kind of loss! <laughs> Mr. Helmsman, I guess if we're really doomed, then it's time to make course for the Mormon planet Caleb. That's where we Mormons head when we're doomed or otherwise in jeopardy. It used to be Mexico. Then it was France for a while. And now it's Caleb. <laughs> it's hard to keep up. Don't I know? <laughs> we're not doomed, imbecile. Although most of you flunkies are condemned to being idiots for the rest of time. That's just some stupid actor's made-up face appearing on the view screen happens in every freaking episode. One might think you'd be used to it by now. 
wait a minute. Wait a minute, I know that face. It's... It's... It's Maroney! Well, my stars, he's come to escort us to the promised wagon. <laughs> we must really rate. I was afraid we might be assigned one of the lesser angels, like Wink Martindale, or that one with the wooden teeth, and wooden legs, and wooden... You're thinking of a tree, fool. And that's not Maroney. It's... It's... Sagan! Yes, it was I that took the wind out of your vessel's sails. Though there really shouldn't be any wind in the vacuum of space. There's wind in here! You can take my word for it! Not you again, Sagan! What the hell is it with casting these days? The guy's not even an actor! And you call that handsome? For your information, I was known as the winged Adonis of the scientific community. The rest of those guys are only about four feet tall and wear thick Coke bottle glasses. Most are follically challenged or otherwise ossified. Now just look at this head of hair. You could keep a dozen craniums warm with this. I say, his head is about as hairy as Grandma's eyeball was when she got a load of her Italian neighbors. What's with the toga, Sagan? Some kind of fraternity thing? Not that I know anything about that. I, uh, um, attended Tractor College. We, uh, all used to, uh, all meet in a wholesome cornfield. <laughs> yes, I went to the Harvest Business School myself. Never been near a toga. <laughs> Although Bain now owns most of the Greek archipelago. Picked it up for a doorstop of an epic poem. <laughs> My attire is intended to honor the scholars of the lost great library of Alexandria, where the sum of scientific knowledge in the ancient world was available to citizens of Egypt and to the enlightened people of that time. The library was destroyed by agents of ignorance and superstition, people that sought to banish progressive thought and ultimately set back the advancement of science for two millennia. Should sound familiar. Jeez Louise Sagan, what are you experiencing some know-it-all withdrawal? Just give it up. Make room for other dreary eggheads on PBS to preach to the same freaking choir. I say, this intellectual transvestite is bent on learning us some kind of homotastic atheistic history. Take him away. Fire some godly plasmas at him. Perhaps we should put the shields up. <laughs> I guess they're probably in the space garage. We can get Rodrigo to go nail them up after he's finished rearranging my walk-in polo shoe closet. <laughs> you will all be accompanying me to the planet surface set. There we've set up a blackboard and a few rows of chairs. Don't you have access to a smart board, Sagan? Mind you, we're used to pretty well put together audiovisual presentations, mostly in the form of outrageously well-financed political attack ads. Great stuff and all true. Well, we can't all go down there, Sagan. Somebody has to stay in the ship set. Stupid door latch is broken. Nobody's here to open it from the inside. Then we won't be able to get in again. Stupid cheap show. You stress very unimportant matters. You will take what you need from your ship set, and then I will leave it on the studio floor, where it's sure to be stepped on by one of the janitorial staff. My ship, 
my ship. <laughs> that means I can deduct the full retail cost of it from the janitor's salary. <laughs> That's great since the studio paid for it in the first place. <laughs> that puts me that much closer in cornering the market on Kivas and Trillium. Um, sure. Regardless, you will all be under my tutelage for as long as it takes to pound some scientific knowledge into your rock-hard heads. Welcome to science class, Captain Romney. Uh, Captain, sir, there seems to be some mistake. I'm wearing one of the curtains from Green Rottenberry's office windows. That's no mistake, Pearl. I just couldn't find a toga big enough to fit you. Even Ernest Borgnines wasn't big enough. Hey. Ah, say, this all looks just like home. Greek Revival-style plantation houses, rolling hills, vineyards and orchards stretch to the horizon where they meet the stately banks of the Mississippi River. I picture myself as a boy with cheeks of tan, but not too tan, of course, as not to confuse the ladies or give our lynch mob some unnecessary brain work. Are you sure that's tobacco you're chewing on, Coburn? Those columns are as plastic as Captain Romney's face, and those rolling hills and vineyards are painted on the set's backdrop. Look, there's a frickin' stain on the thing. I think somebody chucked on it during Ted Cruz's Spartan-themed Christmas party. But who could have done that? Just puked and run. I'm gonna tell Desi Arnaz's lawyer. Oh, no. Sega did mean the whole crew. Dr. Pagoto, too. This is an extravaganza I sure didn't need. Um, excuse me, Mr. Horse, but I seem to be here, too. <laughs> and what's more, I seem to be an officer in your space service now. I feel so proud, and what is the word? Oh, yes. Gloomy. Holy shit! The producers really are scraping the bottom of the bowl for this one. <laughs> yes, Ned. In anticipation of this little wingding, the studio suits had me commissioning new officers all day yesterday. I found this little man hiding in a worm cellar. He's an ensign now, 8th class. What is your name again, son? The name is Goodstein. <laughs> ensign Gladstone Goodstein, at your service, sir. Great, Mr. Glanbag. Why don't you go out and see if you can find a buyer for that worm cellar? Somebody we were bilking got stuck with it when their uncle died during the game of life. They ended up with a polecat farm, too. Anybody interested? Um, I'd make it that it's about one o'clock. Is there any way I could take an extended lunch break now? One that would last at least until the wrap at the end of the day? Ach, don't tell me it's vegetable wraps for dinner again. It's the third time this week. Don't they have any entrails around here that they could pack into those things? There's major highway just west of here. There must be some roadkill. Jason, here comes the judge. I mean the teacher. I left an apple on the desk for him. I thought if I could work my way into his confidence, he might make me the vice teacher. Especially after he sees how I perform as chairman of the school's Un-American Activities Committee. He can't help but be impressed. And security state absolutists will step up and make the case for me to be on the ticket. 
History repeats itself if you're forced to. Wait a minute, that was my idea. The Nixon android is reading my lines again, Captain. This kind of dishonesty I hardly expect. I'm going to tell the teacher. Looks like someone is making a half-hearted attempt at a special effect. Sagan or whoever he's supposed to be is appearing. <laughs> I think I'm having another religious experience. Oh no, it must be Maroney again. <laughs> You're so freaking deluded, Willard. Say something to him. He can't just Shanghai star fleece officers, even if they're just pretending to be officers in a pretend star service. This isn't Shanghai. Indeed, no. I think we'd see a few more of Bane's unsafe factories painted on that backdrop if it was. <laughs> so what can we do for you, Mr. Maroney? <laughs> I am the science teacher. Put your learning caps on, children. The trolley ride to knowledge is about to begin. Ah, say, sounds like a San Francisco man treat. Anti-Christian science. We don't need any of that man-on-dog learning. We got banjos and an awesome lord to pluck by. I thank you, sir. Indeed, we have no need for science. We find the lack of it to be quite lucrative. You've got to be kidding, right, Sagan? Aren't we a little old for this? Oh, yeah, and way too stupid. Actually... You're never too old to learn new things. And even the proudest ignoramus, assuming he has a normal-sized human brain, is capable of creating new neural pathways. Well, you just counted this group out. They don't have one normal brain cell between them. Speak for yourself, Ned. I've got plenty of brains. Presidents, kings, and tyrants come from light years away just to consult with me. Take your seats, gentlemen. We are going to begin with some of the basic facts of our solar system. Well, I appear to have an apple on my desk. How curious. But I can actually use this humble red fruit to teach you about our own planet Earth and about its atmosphere. <clears throat> I don't understand. There seems to be something wrong. I can't cut into this thing. Nixon must have fabricated it. He's got a food synthesizer shoved up his robotic ass. Um, so tell me again, where is our lunch coming from today, if you don't mind me asking? I made that apple all right. It's an Ida Red. So it should be pink right down to its underwear. I mean, right down to its apple flesh, if I know my fruit. And I should. My father was a grocer, don't you know? Grocer than what? Actually, it doesn't matter. This polymer apple is good enough for the purpose of my example. You see, the atmosphere of the Earth is proportionately just as thin as this apple skin. Let me draw a representation of it on the board here. This is the outline of our apple globe. I'll tell you who's bored here. It's me that's bored. That's who... You can't make a stay here, Sagan. You know that. I don't know why you'd even want to try, to be completely honest. Not many people seem interested in anything we do, at least according to our ratings. That's where you're wrong. I have the ability to transcend your dismal ratings. 
Oh my god, I knew it. He's got special powers. Godlike powers. Not that we should bow to every alien that has a bag of tricks. But exactly how low would you like me to bow, your holiness? Do it and we'll all go blind, Pearl. Just go cower someplace where I can't see your ass, okay? So you have omnipotent godlike powers then, do you, Sagan? What did the suits at PBS give you those along with a closet full of turtlenecks? No, actually I was empowered by Paramount Mexicala Studios. And I can annul any of your contracts anytime I want to. That's a pretty good power, have to admit. I think I'll probably stay for a few pay cycles anyway. <laughs> oh, Maroney, you're so funny. <laughs> and we do appreciate your patronage. After Bain picked up Paramount and moved it to Mexico, we've been relying on a crack team of downsizing managers to get a handle on things. In other words, we started using men who won't accidentally let themselves go before the job is done. Like that last guy. The man was a genius. Before he fired himself, he had Desi Arnaz teach a non-union Mexican national how to be Lucy's straight man. Just think, by lunchtime, we changed the studio's name to Hakabalu. <laughs> this is all crazy talk. Wacko crazy talk. Do you think for one minute that I spent two years struggling to finish a correspondence course on veterinary medicine to be told that I don't know anything about science? I'll tell you what, I should be teaching this course. That's what. Let's get back to the lesson at hand. And just to review... This is the planet Earth with its paper-thin veil of atmosphere. Imagine it rotating and revolving around the sun, traveling through space. What a pretty little world, like a blue jewel set in the black velvet ocean, a solar system all bound by gravity in a perpetual cosmic dance. Pardon me for interrupting your richly illustrated lesson, Mr. Sagan, but it sounds like you're kind of sweet on that planet. You're even giving it a ring. I understand. I once had a similar craving for a dead moon once. People didn't understand, though. That makes me seem strange, doesn't it? I say, God would never sanction a marriage between a man and a plantatoid. You are damnation, sir. Dr. Sagan, you know, in my day, there were people that expressed similar intentions towards that globe. We called them communists or filthy reds. They tried to win the day with ruthlessness, dishonesty, and paranoia. They were thoroughly corrupt and threw away lives like so much garbage. In the end, they collapsed like a house of cards, and they deserved it. In a few years, though, they were back and were being rehabilitated. I was even brought to the White House to consult for one of my successors. It felt good to be needed, and I began to grow. Is it time for that robot's oil change or something? Sagan, you can't make these people learn about science. They don't care about anything but their own short-term profits. Closer to the sun is a planet of similar size to the Earth. It's the Earth's sister planet, the planet Venus. <laughs> so that means the father world does have a sister wife, and with a name that rhymes with penis. <laughs> How apropos. Oh, Maroney, your lesson on Mormon cosmology is really enlightening. Now I think I have some idea of what those early pioneers went through on the wide-open salt flats back home. 
At night, they'd look up into the sky and see their own beliefs reflected back at them, all written in starlight and moonflakes. See what I mean? No, that's not where I'm going with this at all. But I should award you with extra credit for being completely wrong in such a novel manner. The planet Venus is roughly the same size as Earth. Its position closer to the sun evokes an image of a tropical paradise. But the truth is far from that. Venus is enveloped in a thick atmosphere, which makes its surface features invisible to us, or at least invisible to conventional telescopes. From Earth, Venus appears as an opaque disk, as light is reflected off its dense clouds. Those clouds are composed of sulfuric acid. Immense atmospheric pressure and the corrosive nature of the gases quickly destroy any Earth probe that attempts a landing on that tortured world. Instead of a tropical paradise, it is much more hellish. Ah, say, what do you expect? Sending an intimate probe to the sinful soil of a foreign harlot is inviting God's wrath and earning the devil's black fortune. Yeah, um, I might agree with that, although I'd phrase it a little differently. What I'm trying to illustrate here is that Venus is experiencing a runaway greenhouse effect. Its thick clouds are trapping heat and broiling the planet's surface. <laughs> I imagine the workers on that Venus place are probably pretty docile and industrious. Hardy, too, if they're able to put up with those harsh conditions. I wager that the costs of setting up a factory are as low as anywhere in the galaxy. Rodolfo, tell Ricardo to take my phone out of my pocket. Vincente has to make some calls. Wait a minute. I know what's going on here. This is all more of that climate change propaganda, promulgating the global warming myth. Nice try, Sagan, trying to sneak that elitist alarmist trope through the back door, using science as a blind. Hey, I should try that trick to get a few wars burning. I'm sure I could command more airtime than you, at least on channels that people watch. Can't get anything past you, can they, Pearl? Information has the same fate as a pastry trolley. Hey. It's all conspiracy theory stuff. I recognize the technique. The idea is to try to scare people with cheap films of a melting Statue of Liberty and a cracking Liberty Bell. They do it to get the citizenry to rise off their chairs and then sit back down again. And then allow us all the necessary latitude to protect them. And we can protect them, all right. And, and pretty much with any plan we already had pinned to the bulletin board. Oh, boy! You just have the cafeteria menu on your bulletin board, Pearl. That in a picture of yourself, except an agreed award from Fleet Captain Reagan. That was the Freedom Award. And for your information, I can keep the Confederation protected with that picture. I know what you mean. <laughs> I kept myself warm for an entire Massachusetts winter just by hanging a picture of myself over our gargantuan Byzantine furnace. The little Rodrigos knew they had to keep shoveling coal as long as I continue to look stern. This has gone on far enough, I think. Oh my god! Sagan is shrinking! Ark, he's one of the little people now. All we have to do is rub his magic pipe. He'll be compelled to grant us a wish. Oops, wrong way. Oh my god, again! Sagan is growing! He's still growing! He's... He's huge! I'm still gonna give it a try. Where's your magic pipe, you oversized leprechaun? You can't hide from me, Welsh. No! Ah! Oh!
Sorry, but nobody touches my magic pipe. I say, the engineer's dead, Captain! Dead! You're looking at Stephanie and idiot! I think he's been dead since we beamed down! Welsh is over there! This one is stone dead too! But if you want a second opinion, I don't mind! Come on over and take a gander at him, Colburn! I'd say he's dead enough for both of us! I guess we can both bill for this now! Do I have that right? Willard, that guy just killed a regular character with a lightning bolt effect and recorded thunder. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> I'll show you what. Mr. Maroney, your grace, it seems that we should start worshipping you even more fervently now. Yes, now that I see that you can cast great thunderbolts from your giant finger. All hail Maroney, conductor of the clouds. <laughs> I think we're going to take a 15-minute break. As much as I hate to kill and run, but I have to find a power outlet somewhere. You might try taking a walk in a graveyard. It's so nice and gloomy. I always find it invigorating. Sagan, he's gone again. What is it with you, Pearl? Are you double billing as the narrator for this episode? We have to find some way to get out of here. It's bad enough being cooped up with you losers on the tiny bridge set, but being stuck in this stupid classroom set with the entire show's extended cast of losers is worse than purgatory. I say, nothing is worse than purgatory, except for maybe the restrooms in purgatory. That's where the devil sends men to clean the toilets never allowing even the most humble rag to be placed upon thy stick. Hey, did you notice Sagan's expression just before he left? He seemed to be depressed or drained. I couldn't possibly imagine why he'd have that reaction. Let's see him try working with you every day, and then we'll see how he'd look. I also noticed that he never seems to stray very far from his instructor's stool and podium. Could that be significant? Smells like you never get far away from your stool either, Pearl. As for not leaving the podium, where is he supposed to go? The set's only four feet wide. Do you expect him to start body surfing the crowd of idiots? No, seriously, Ned. I think the podium might be some kind of power source for him. Like there's a car battery in there hooked up to some electrodes that run up the sleeves of his tweed professor's coat. Whenever he wants to throw lightning bolts, he just turns a key in or flips a toggle switch, and then he's, he's just a killing machine. I suggest that we go over to the podium, open it up, and gum it up with peanut butter. I really like peanut butter. Mm. Or we could wait until Sagan comes back and then, then get him all worked up and make him start firing off charges every few seconds. In no time, his battery will be dead, and he'll have to wait for AA to come and give him a jump. You want someone from Alcoholics Anonymous to come start up his podium for him? What are you drinking? I... I meant A-A-A. Ah, say, what's that man stuttering for? Do I detect the imminence of an evil rain coming to soakify the righteous service men of this confederation? Okay, okay. When Pearl starts making sense to me, I know that all is lost. But what the hell? The cameras are still running, so let's try and make a plan. First of all, we don't have any peanut butter. What did you do with it, Pearl? 
Did you make yourself a triple-decker peanut butter and pastrami sandwich for a midnight snack? No, I swear. I had just gotten out the tubes of space peanut butter when the android President Nixon came into the galley. He was having trouble deleting a particularly incriminating ten-minute section of tape, so I tried to help him. That's all true. I cannot tell a lie. Especially now, since my knowledge of my best capers can no longer be accessed by my hypertronic brain. All I seem to be able to do is recount the biography of George Washington Carver. You're telling me that the Nixon tapes are all gummed up with peanut butter? Who are you now, Pearl? Don Nuts! Listen, it doesn't matter. We don't need the peanut butter. We can just... We'll, we'll drain Sagan's power by harassing him in class. The big tough kids in the class can ask a lot of impertinent questions, throw paper around, and hold up the day's lesson. He can't possibly kill them all. I notice that you're keeping yourself safely out of range during this proposed lamp basting. No, it'll work great. I remember back in Neocon Charm School, one day our teacher, Miss Jean Kirkpatrick, was sick, and she was replaced by a substitute teacher by the name of McGee. I don't know why they didn't just call in John Bolton or Bob Dornan or somebody good. Instead, this McGee woman came in and tried to keep order, but none of us would have it. We just started chanting Magoo over and over again. Magoo! She sent one of us to the office, and then another one of us had to stand in the corner, and then another out in the hall, but still Magoo! 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 Until she left the room crying. It was great. Miss Kirkpatrick got over her venom blowback disease. In a day or so, she was back teaching us the fundamentals of imperial hegemony. I love to learn. Okay, we can give it a try. I think we're all on board except for Captain Willard, who still seems to think that Sagan is some kind of Maroney brand angel. I don't think we can trust the captain on this one. He might go and turn us all in just in order to get some kind of brownie points with his lord. I might be tempted to do the same thing. That is, if the Lord of Darkness was here. No time to worry about that. Here comes Sagan. Get ready to stop being obnoxious jerks on my mark. Uh, that was refreshing. Fermented honey mixed with freshly melted snow from the summit of Mount Olympus. Ah, say, what an elitist! He probably doesn't even use slave labor to pick those honey berries. Actually, it was just club soda from the machine out in the hall. I couldn't resist getting into my role a bit. Now, for this afternoon's lesson, we'll be covering the scientific contributions of three gentlemen. The first, Johannes Kepler, 17th century German mathematician and astronomer that discovered the laws of planetary motion, and his Dutch counterpart, Christian Huygens, the scientist that studied the rings of Saturn and discovered that planet's largest moon, called Titan. Why would I ever want to know about someone named Huygens? That's a ridiculous name! Okay, let him have it, kids! Oh, teacher, can I please be excused? I just don't feel that well. I need to go to the morgue. That should cheer me up a lot. Ah, say, teacher Magoo, time that you let me take over the class for a while. I can dispel the myths of science and do some fire and brimstone preaching. Let's all sing something from the KKK's Book of Spirituals. Hey, Magoo! I'll take you on a horsey ride 
you put a bag over your head. Teacher, teacher, Magoo, I just stepped in some feces, and then I walked on the hood of your car, and then somehow it caught on fire. Sorry about that, Magoo. Magoo! Magoo! Hey, Magoo! Kepler was freaking wrong with his theory that the planet's orbits all fit together like nesting geometric shapes. So therefore, all the science is wrong and stupid. I've had about enough of this. All of you take your seats this instant. I'm getting mad. Tired of looking at your snooty face singing. We're not inspired by your cosmic chum bait. I'm not some kind of doe-eyed nerd that was weaned on Sesame Street, Mr. Freakin' Rogers. We're all grown up. And we'll stay as ignorant as we want. And we'll destroy the planet's atmosphere if that's what we want to. Who cares anyway? It's just home to freaking losers and stone stupid fools. My first wife, Linda, spoke to me like that once, and she lived to regret it. I yelled at her so loud that the sound waves broke one of the fluted glass tines on her favorite wind chimes. Mortal horse, once again, you have earned my wrath. <laughs> Hold on, no, your grace. Please don't kill the horse. <laughs> I think we might still get a few bucks from him alive on eBay. With that seed money, I figure we can buy a few second-hand wheels for the buckboard that I keep in the shuttle bay. That way you can make an appropriate entrance into Salt Lake City and to the tabernacle itself. That is, before we up and go to the promised planet, Caleb, hail, hail! I obviously have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm glad of your intervention. I was acting in haste just now, and I apologize to the horse and to the rest of you. Since you, Romney are the only one of the group who is capable of civil discourse, even though the content of that discourse is astonishingly bizarre, I will allow you to escort me off the set and to my trailer. (laughs) It is written that when Moroni cometh, he will have thy trailer. At least I'm pretty sure that was another one of those bonus commandments on one of those lost tablets. (laughs) Hey, Moroni, what are the chances that you loan us another set of those? (laughs) This time I'd keep them handcuffed to my servant's wrists. Um, I'm actually not sure how to answer that. Well, that didn't work. Any more bright ideas, Pearl? Well, um, we could invade, uh, well, we could, uh, bomb, uh, uh, no, no, we, we could subvert, uh, uh, I'm at a loss, Ned. None of my usual solutions seem appropriate in this one unique case. Although we could try an invasion of that little hamlet painted on the backdrop over there, it might at least make us all feel better. Just stow it, Pearl. The frustrating thing is that the last plan may have worked if it wasn't for Captain Delusiono. Mucking it all up like he usually does. I mean, we could replace him with a no-parking sign and be way better off have way fewer problems. I hate to interrupt the horse that's about to delve into a deep bout of depression, but I have to point out that the engineer, uh, Mr. Welsh, I think, is still pretty dead over here, and if he's not brought back to life soon by some kind of space magic, 
there's going to be some unpleasant issues that start to arise. I wouldn't mind though, he can stay with me. I say, he's gonna start following the air with a pervading reek. Worse than the reek he used to put out back when he was actively interacting in this living sphere. Hey, Sulu, go put a director's cap on and some director's baggy pants and tell that Welsh idiot to knock it off now. He can be alive again. I think he's got a few lines coming up anyway. But what about the real director of the episode, Ned? Isn't that his job? He's locked himself in the bathroom again, getting some real director's work done in there. Might be the greatest thing he's ever done. Hopefully he'll forget to flush and he can submit it to the Cannes Film Festival. Oh, very well. Hey, Welsh. Hey, Mr. Welsh, would you wake up? I'm the director now. You're needed in the show again. God knows why. I think it's lame enough without you. Ah, you mean I could start saying me lines again? Hi, lad, I'm glad of it. One thing is for sure, we have to keep the pressure on Sagan. We have to keep magooing him and maybe work in a few spitballs and put some tacks on his chair, stuff like that. Yes, yes, I can instigate some bad-natured rivalry between faculty members. I can see it now. One becomes awfully jealous and even pig-biting mad and ends up trying to kill the other with their bare hands or with a cleaver. <laughs> you may encounter some trouble doing that, considering there's only one teacher, you strange little ghoul. I know, I know. Pick me, Mr. Horse. This isn't room 222 and I'm not Mr. Dixon, fool. Just say whatever stupid thing that just occurred to your micro-brain and then we can disregard it. Sagan's got to think for the captain. Some kind of unhealthy man-on-man thing. Weird, unnatural, but there it is. I mean, he just took him off for a stroll to the nether regions, beyond cameras and beyond our sets. It's not that I like pointing this out, but it is what it is. Hey, now maybe we could use that to our advantage. We can out Sagan to the other classical gods. It's true that a few of them were pretty slanted in their own right. What was with that Zeus guy anyhow? So, Mr. Welsh, what was it like to be dead? Is it as good as everyone says? Ah, it's just like being in an episode of this show, except not having any lines or anything to do. Tell me about it. I've thought seriously about replacing myself with a cardboard cutout and just sitting out the whole season. Ak, I thought you were one. I almost put you out with the recycling the other day. Can you guys shut it? It's hard enough to keep this stupid farce moving along as it is. Tell Bakodo, how can we use the captain's relationship with Sagan to our advantage? Oh, it's simple, Ned. We just come up with a delicious blue beverage that the captain won't be able to resist drinking. Mostly because it's blue. And then at some later point, when he's well away from us and fawning over his beloved Maroni, we can throw some switch and he'll blow sky high, thus taking out the number two terrorist leader of the planet with him. It's simple. We do it all the time. Didn't you forget a step? How do we come up with a blue beverage that's both delicious and an explosive? Well, I don't know. 
do we really have to bother with that step? I mean, can't we just come up with the idea and then just have it in the next scene? They do it all the time on other space shows, and even on some cartoons. You're a freaking cartoon, all right. Drawing a little wide, I'd say. Hey. I say, how is it that we get to another scene? I reckon we've done it before, but recollection fails me. It's up to the director. I was afraid of that. Probably because he's still at the Cannes Film Festival watching another one of his bombs. We can just all go to sleep. I think even our film crew might notice that. And perhaps then they'll cut the scene. Have you ever once watched this show? We could give the cameraman a delightful blue beverage and then... Okay, we're all just going to go to sleep and hope that the scene changes by the time we wake up. This is so pathetic. There are more stars in space than grains of sand on every beach in the world. Stars have lives, much like living organisms, much like people do. They are born, they grow old, and eventually they die. Sometimes their deaths are marked by gigantic explosions. Ejecta from a star that explodes or goes nova will create a vast nebula. Interstellar clouds of this kind are... You know, I could really go for a delicious blue beverage right now. Perhaps a crystal goblet of some of that godly nectar you were talking about earlier? Can I have my man get one of those for you? Um, no, I'm fine. Actually, I think it's time that I send you back to your friends. I've got some imaging data to sort through anyhow. Um, I'll be in to continue the lesson later on this afternoon. Radio. <laughs> I'll look forward to further revelations from you, oh holy one. Hey, crew. At ease, men. We're already sleeping, fool. How exactly could we possibly be more at ease? You got me there. <laughs> and how could you? Ned, I've just had a look around and there's no sign of that... You know what? Anywhere around. Maybe they couldn't find any blue food coloring in the studio. They probably used it all on your ass, Pearl. Willard, the crew needs you to distract Sagan or Maroney or whoever you think he is just for a few minutes and just long enough for one of us to sneak over to the bridge set. We need to, uh, twirl a few knobs up there and, uh, get the space stock market reports. <laughs> I understand. Maroney wouldn't want to have first-hand knowledge of that. Let his mortal servants do the space trading. They can pocket some of the market cream for their own efforts, and then set aside 10% for the Maroney. <laughs> it's a good system. The workings of the financial sector are good and godly, but Maroney is a hands-off CEO. He just receives his cut at the first of the month, and then we don't hear much from him. That is until a new sacred tablet is revealed. <laughs> okay, Willard. When he reappears, just... um. Lead him to the other side of the set. See if you could convince him to resurrect Mr. Welsh over there. That's a good god trick that never gets old. <laughs> you think so? Hey there, Welsh. I understand that you're dead, which means I lost a man. <laughs> hey, does your widow have control of any of your investments yet? 
He's pretty lively for a dead guy, though. In fact, he keeps getting winning hands in Fizbin. That's a card game, in case you're interested. And maybe you're not. I've been wiped out. It's quite stimulating. Ah, say, what do we call a man that can play cards with the dead? If not a perverted backslider into Satan's foul pit? You call him someone that has an aversion to losing, which might very well mean that he's a recovering gambling addict. I think I might want a piece of this game. All deal. One-eyed jacks are wild. So is whatever else that comes into my hands. Ante up, young man. I used to play whist with my auntie. You know, now that I think of it, she looked a little bit like you, President Nixon. <laughs> that was me in drag. I just lost the election for governor of California to that brown bastard. The press was crapping all over me, and I needed a quiet place to sleep it off. My bitter age, that is. I also wanted to keep a close eye on George Romney. I didn't want him to get a leg up and whittle on my national ambitions. (sighs) I kept pouring explosive blue liquids into his grub. Made him too weird for public office. (laughs) What a gag. But you were happily married to Uncle Glib Romney for 40 years. (laughs) How did you ever pull that off, sir? Extended business trips, Tupperware parties, Avon bullshit, and Daughters of the Confederacy conventions. Those were fun. I also feigned lots of headaches. Glib understood. I kept the facade up somehow. Sometimes I miss that man. Well, my stars, it's great to see you again, Aunt Dix. I must say, I always wondered about your name and about your five o'clock shadow. But that was how we Romney kids learned how to tell time. Speaking of which, it's time that we get this stupid plot creeping along again. The end of the show's silly music is closing in on us. The director must have heard you, Ned. Here comes Sagan. Okay, Welsh, stop being dead again. And Willard, your part is to bring Sagan, Maroney, whatever, back to the corner and get him to revive Welsh. While he's busy with that, Pearl will sneak around the set's backdrop, get to the bridge set, and get ready on those phaser banks. I can't do all that. You need to tap some heroic type for that job. Somebody plucky with a short, catchy name like Wink or Chad. And most importantly, somebody that we won't miss if Sagan zings them into oblivion with a lightning bolt. That would be you! No, really. This isn't a mission for me. I'd only muck it up. I'm an ideas man. My battles are fought in the think tank and not in a real tank. Fine. Sorry, Sulu. Looks like this one is yours by default. Meaning that it's all Pearl's freaking fault. Um, sure... I can do it, I guess. We're still wrapping this up at the usual time, I presume. Ned, Sagan is heading over here right now. I'm discerning a noticeable lack of taunting chants in the room this afternoon. Where's the incessant magooing that was going on earlier? Have you people decided to settle down and behave like responsible young adults in class? Sure, Sagan, Lord, whatever. We're all over that little adjustment period. Now Willard wants to show you something over in the corner of the room. It's the body of Engineer Welsh. I think he needs you to resurrect him. Why, I don't know. The guy was an idiot. Careful when you're breathing life into him. You wouldn't want to blow into his freaking bagpipes by mistake. One cheery thing about his demise was that those things were going to be buried with him. Very well. Show me to the corpse. What a cheery idea. 
After that, perhaps you'd allow me to give you an entire guided tour of the graveyard. Well, it's taking him over there. You can just go back to lurking in the morgue or wherever it is you lurk. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Horse. I will. Right over here, your moronitude. This is our chief engineer, Malik Montague Krabastian Walsh. What an unusual name. Did he ever consider changing it to something less ridiculous? <laughs> could be. He used to say a lot of things before he was dead. Some of them could have been about changing his name. Okay, I'll need some kind of defibrillator and somewhere to plug it in. I say, I have one of those things. I used to cook up a possums when they least expected it. Here you go, Doc Satan. Just don't get any blood on it from one of the inferior races. Why don't you just plug it into your podium over there? There should be an outlet. Burl, freaking idiot! Now he's looking that way! What's going on? Did I just see a man trot past my podium and go underneath the painted backdrop? That was just the plumber. He left his tools in Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatrist's office. He had to go back for them. He'll need them for his next caper coming up. And what caper would that be? I must say that I'm very disappointed in all of you. I've given you a real chance here to transcend the limitations of thought promulgated by your own political and socio-economic class. We've only just managed to scratch the surface of the edifice of ignorance that you've built around yourselves. We're gonna scratch your surface in a minute here, Sagan, but I wouldn't go duck behind your podium if you know what's good for you. <laughs> There's a duck back there. I've got to go see. Hold it, champ! Lock Phaser Bank Sulu! Sure, okay, Mr. Ned. Phaser's locked down the little podium and desk setup. Ned, you do know that you guys are standing pretty close to the target, right? I'm sure you realize how accurate our show's special effects are, meaning not so accurate. That can't be helped! Not without cash from the network! I won't wait for it! Fire phaser, Sulu! Firing phasers. No! I still have electricity at my command somehow! Stop! Oh my god! He's growing huge again! I think he may be the biggest astrophysicist in the world now. Maybe in the galaxy. Sorry to all those wannabes out there. And all the wallabies, too. They really are missing out on quite a light show. Nobody hosts a party like Maroni. Ah, <laughs> uh, say, look at this podium. All just a wiggling light shadow of what it was. And the Satan scientist fella, the man who would be God rendered impotent, just standing in the ruins of his disintegrated public broadcasting stage. I wish we didn't have to do that. Just think, we could have used a more experimental weapon and gotten paid for doing it. Product placement deals and things like that. I can't believe it. I left my briefcase under that podium. You've got nothing now, Sagan. Let us go back to our stupid set and our pathetic show, and you can get back to whatever the hell it is that you do. No hard feelings, understand? I could have taught you all so much. So very much. Captain Romney, I offered you a road to knowledge that could have altered your life's trajectory. You could have been a serious contender for the leadership of your country. 
and of your planet, you could have made a difference. But no, it was not to be. Pearl, well, I don't think I could have done much with you. And Ned, and the rest. I see now, the whole project was doomed from the onset. Copernicus, you were right. These people still aren't ready for what science can tell them. Hansen, you were right. These people have no interest in understanding climate models. Hawkins, you were right. The complexity of astrophysics means nothing to these people. Kepler, well, unfortunately, you were still wrong about your grand theory regarding the planet's orbits conforming to concentric geometric shapes. Darwin, you were right. Hey, how long do you suppose this list is? I've got an appointment at 515 in 440 AD. I've started using time travel to sell munitions to famous conquerors of the past. Don't worry about me disrupting the timeline, though. I'm only selling stuff to the winners. By the way, how do you spell Attila with one L or two? Two, I think. <laughs> Charming. Hubble, you were right. Percival Lowell, you were wrong about there being canals on Mars, but at least your telescope was pointing in the right direction. Einstein, you were right. Ptolemy, take me, take me, take me. Well, it looks like we've seen the last of him. At least until another one of our producers forgets that we just used him and cast him again. <laughs> I thought for sure this latest version of Moroni was going to bring me to the promised planet, Caleb. But I guess I'll have to wait a little longer. Oh, well. Hey, Rodrigo. Did I miss my dividend sweeps while I was away? You're talking to Sub Ensign Goodstein, fool. <laughs> so I am. Hi there, Mr. Grandstand. It's a shame, really. All those scientists, all that work for what? So that a ship full of unreconstructed plutocrats and their minions can scour the galaxy for every planet worth shaking down. Instead, we could have learned how to appreciate the complexities of the cosmos and come to understand what motivated the great men that teased out such secrets. But Ned, mankind figured out a long time ago that is, after they invented television and space shows, that there's no point in all that astronomical and mathematical combobulating. There's just not enough profit in it, and it's boring. No, mankind was meant to march to the beat of drums. Or better yet, to profit from those who are forced to march to the beat of drums. Ah, uh, say, and besides, those long-haired deviants that dance around in olive glades with laurel reefs upon their brows are hellward-bound sinners and at loggerheads with the Lord. <laughs> I always appreciate your support, Doc. Mr. Solo? Aye, sir. Beam us up home. Okay, but it's gonna take about a half an hour. I'm the only one on board. He says he's bored. I'll tell you what bored is. This is bored. Very good, Mr. Solo. We'll just stand around here for a while. <laughs> oh, great!
had to do this. So do I. Got splinters already. Identify, I was a doctor in that dream. Here is my brother. Oh, me brother. Oh, you are. You are me brother. So whatever happened to that leprechaun, I couldn't possibly know. I just assumed he was making rainbows and cornflakes. Sometimes a leprechaun. <laughs> that, that song is called Sometimes a Leprechaun. Except leprechaun is now pronounced leprechaun. Sometimes a leprechaun. Oh. Just the way Lincoln's real name. Is Link Corn. Link Corn. Heavy on the corn. <laughs> so happy President's Day week, Joe. Happy President's Day like to you. Like a lot of people take this week off. It it's a out. school holiday because people yeah, have to take enough. it off because the children have yeah, it off. They, and they have to keep an eye on the children. Delightful. Children. It's all about the children. It's about the children. It's all about the children. <laughs> you must keep them safe. Perhaps while you're gone, I can watch your, <laughs> your children for you. <laughs> no, Mr. Loria, I think that we're going to use someone else, someone like Carl Sagan. That's Goodstein Daycare. <laughs> Gladstone's Daycare Center. <laughs> Order now and receive yourself a, f- receive a free Gladstone Gill Cup stone mug. <laughs> Perfect. So what is new with you this February, Mr. Matt Perry? I was celebrating, Joe. Celebrating for Mr. Lincoln. Lincoln, I was celebrating on on Lincoln. Celebrating on 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 Lincoln. Lincoln and Washington, we had them both. Yeah, so uh, besides celebrating those birthdays, I wasn't doing much much else, Joe. Just my usual work. I was doing work. I was doing work. Something you probably have little experience with. Certainly not. We're not sure what you get up to. <laughs> we don't know what you do. So Judge Scalia died. What the hell? Yeah. When I first heard he was like died on a hunting trip, I thought well, maybe Dick Cheney shot him in the face. I know. Because he used to go suspicious. Hunt- he used to do hunting trips with Dick Cheney. Yeah. Talk about a <laughs> talk about a match made in heaven. <laughs> yeah, they'd go uh So I thought, oh great, now Cheney shot Scully in the face. They'd go bag a few captive ducks or something. Yeah, like yeah, and delightful. Usual thing. A canned hunts, yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. He was like seventy nine and he's still like shooting yeah. animals. Yeah. Never gets sick of it. Uh, never gets old. Yes. Can you turn down my headphone volume just a little bit? 
Sorry, folks. <laughs> That's better. Is that better? Yes, yeah. that's good. Yeah, we're we're getting the sound right here, <laughs> here in the studio. The loudness was blinding me. Here in our high tech studio, it was very high tech. So it's we our high tech internet will, of studio. Miss Mr. Scalia. Yeah, he will be dearly missed. Um, yes, quite so. Yes, all his wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> I think my I think my favorite suggestion of the week was that that Obama should nominate someone who's ideologically similar to. <laughs> <laughs> who said to Scalia? <laughs> well, it was actually I, because he died. I, it, it wasn't the pr- this Is there wasn't a precedent the person for that. This wasn't the person who suggested this, but the person that I heard it from was was sort of reflecting that suggestion in their comments. And it was it was on uh, NPR. I think yeah. it was like Rene oh. Montaigne or somebody was like was talking to. Um, uh, some senator was a Democratic. Is senator. there any precedent and, for that? Well, she was saying, well. <laughs> Some have suggested that you know. Some have suggested that he appoint uh, you know a, a, a an ideologically similar that he appoints the the body of Hitler to, to maintain the balance on the court. But there is no balance. There it's was like no, well, there is court. now. But <laughs> well, yeah, now there is. <laughs> there can never be a balance unless you have a schizophrenic who's like half of their you know personality is on the left and half is on the right. But then they'd cancel themselves out. Yeah, that is quite bizarre. This whole thing is totally bizarre. There's this suggestion that it's unprecedented to, you know, nominate and confirm a Supreme Court justice in the last year of a presidency, which is... I know, which has happened tons of times. Yeah, and which... I heard Orrin Hatch talking about this the other day, and of course he... You could hear that he weaseled in, well, this is... I, I can't find a single example of how a term limited president so he's talking about since the 1950s which is not even not even true i mean reagan but but he kind of snuck that in there because he figured that people wouldn't notice you know yes (laughs) a term limited president yes they'll say anything and then richard pearl chimed in (laughs) oh (laughs) oh we're done for we're done for (laughs) we're done for we're done for <laughs> Quiet Pearl. <laughs> Quiet Pearl. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe I think that he, that uh, Obama should appoint W. I think that would be an excellent great choice. judge. When I think of him, I think judge. <laughs> <laughs> Why the heck not? Somebody suggested Anita Hill. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Appoint her. <laughs> yeah, well, she's uh, conservative. <laughs> she could sit right next to Justice Thomas. Yeah. And his lovely wife. Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who, like, drunk-dialed her one night. Did you hear about that? No. I don't yeah. I did. That's some years Yeah. Uh, yeah. <coughs> Thomas's wife. It was, like, maybe three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, Thomas's wife remember that. drunk <laughs> He hell in the middle of the night. Well, it was like late at night because it was there was some some aspect of that case came up for yeah. some reason. I can't remember That's what, the, what that prompted too. that, but she like <laughs> it's because they were like somebody was uh, accusing Thomas of of um, well, he had been showing up at 
at fundraisers and events and stuff that made him seem slightly less impartial. Anyway. Uh, yeah, well. <sighs> May they all live forever. So that's this problem will never arise again. Never in a million years. Quite so. Just a point nobody then. Nobody <coughs> is better. And no one will be disappointed. Nobody is better. That would cause chaos. Chaos! So here we are. Yes, here we are again. Hope you all enjoyed the episode of Ned Track. Drag, trig, trig, trag, trog, 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 trig, 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 It went a bit long for a non-musical episode. It was a little bit long. I don't know why. It was like the same number of pages as usual. It was Actually, the same fewer. number of pages. I think fewer. Perhaps even fewer. But it came out as like an hour and eight minutes or something. Wow. I don't know why that is. Maybe well, we talked slower. There's some action. You always, your lines are always go by so fast. Joe talks in fast motion. During the night show. <laughs> I've started slowing them down. I try to slow things down. Nixon, of course. Nixon, docs, pretty slow. I keep on thinking to... we're going to run out of kind of Nixonisms. Nixonisms. Nixon is a rich mind. But I know. You're going you're to run out. There's so many Nixon experiences that can be related, like in comic form. We were blessed with his long life. <laughs> Think about, <you> know, <laughs> <laughs> him losing when he ran for God governor. God in his infinite wisdom. But Richard Nixon. Oh, yeah, that song. <laughs> what was the deal with that? <laughs> that was like people writing like poems. And yeah, that was the American song. Some... Yeah, it was American song poem collection. So, it was, yeah, it, there used to be Explain ads in it. the back of Please. magazines that... Back in the 50s and the 60s, uh, they'd say, you know, have your poems set to music. Just send your poem to, you know, this address and we'll, you know, for a fee, we will produce it. Put it it to music. Put it to music. We should do that. Hey, we should do that. I think that's a brilliant idea. Send us your song poems. Well, so that's how that song. Yes. God and his infinite wisdom. Yeah, Yeah, there's a collection. I think it's called the... It's called the American Song Poem. Yeah, a lot of those things were. Oh god, they're almost unlistenable. Some of them are freaking hilarious. So terrible. And of course, included in there is John Truby's "Blind Man's Penis," which which wasn't exactly that. It was was him. (laughs) He he was deliberately using them as an instrument. I think. It was the most bizarre song you could ever possibly imagine. It had space aliens in it. <laughs> but did was that poem was intentionally bizarre and was sent in to see what? Yeah, what, he just wanted to music. His, yeah, would come of it. Yeah, he sent what it the, to them. What the to... song mill would do with it, and they yeah. did this amazing, almost kind of like a Willie Nelson type yeah. voice singing it. Yeah, it was a twangy kind of western. Yeah, voice. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he that actually sent so. it in. And had it. You folks should all look it up. I, I have to think that if, if anyone is listening to this podcast... <laughs> they probably know They've it. certainly heard... Yeah, they're probably well-versed in it. <laughs> they've certainly heard of Blind Man's Penis. That was the name of it. He's right. a, John Truby is a Facebook friend of mine. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, you've got a lot of friends. 
Well, I mean, he's... He's got a lot of friends, unlike us folks. <laughs> well, he's he's famous, so you can friend him, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, so you go, like... I think he's got a personal account rather than a page. Could you uh, friend me, then, perhaps? I would consider... <laughs> I would consider friending... How many space friends do you have? <laughs> For my space friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Excellent saying about his space oh. friend. If you want me oh. to plunge into the sun. Yeah, I forgot about that song. Yeah, we haven't had a Nixon song in a while. We forgot about Nixon. Laughter. For the next musical episode of The Ned Show, we'll have to do a musical that has a Nixon song in it. I'm not talking well. I must be tired. It was a long day. Describe your long day. Okay, it started. It started in the bottom land. <laughs> well, I've been living on in these, top of the world. <laughs> I've been living in these bottoms for twenty years. I had never seen you. Well, we did usual chores for a while at the farm. The farm chores: milking the goats and raising the corn up high. Well, no, none you, of that. No, the nature sanctuary. You did some chores at the nature sanctuary, and then. We went downtown to try and um, try and mount a, a camera on the roof of the Adirondack Bank for the Peregrine Falcons, but we failed miserably. We we couldn't failed. get the connection correct, even though we spent several hours up on the roof. So that was cold. And then after that, there's uh, some cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the afternoon, I. Worked on the the door of the shed that we have at the sanctuary, and then uh, oh yeah, we put a post in. We we strengthened the the the, the shed because we're we're planting a garden on the shed roof, and so we had to fortify the roof. You should see the shed because we made it with scrap lumber, and it looks pretty bizarre. Did I show you a picture? I, I think you showed me a picture okay. of the shed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I'm going to write most of my new compositions. It, it was in the yard. <laughs> He's woodshedding. I'm uh, going to change my name to John Sebastian. John Shed. <laughs> <laughs> Two Sheds Jackson. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> and then we went and I, I fed the beavers. I had to break the ice at the beaver ponds. Oh, and I saw Julia, my oldest beaver, came out. Well, actually, Tippy came out. She climbed up on the ice and started coming at me. And I gave her a carrot, and then she dove back in. And then she lost her carrot. She when she did, so Aww. she looked so sad, and she's like looking around for it, but it went under the ice, so she couldn't get it. Once it like disappears from view, they can't find it. And so I tried to give her another carrot. I think she. she Something I guess I ended up giving her an apple, which she lost, and so I had to give her another one. But she was getting kind of frantic because she kept losing when I was giving her. But she ended up with. She, she, don't worry, Joe. Don't I'm worry. worried. Tippy got her apple. Well, man, I didn't think well, you'd give happy. up. That was happy. So you have help now. Yes. Yes, I've had help for a while, Joe. Yes. Mental well, health. I don't know if anyone. I'm else very knows mentally that. healthy now. I know this, but I don't know if uh, our listeners know this. Yes, yes, folks. There is help in the house now. There is help. That's good. That's very good. And what did your day go like? 
Don't call me Dago. <laughs> Stop calling <laughs> me Dago. Uh, I'm um, sorry. <laughs> I take that personally. Um, I actually... I meant WAP. I, uh, yeah, that's right. I meant mm. I tie. <laughs> I tie. <laughs> Does anybody say those words anymore? Uh, Does anybody say I tie? I don't know. That's a good question. That's a very good question. It's been a while since anybody called Joe an I tie. You know what really Sounds hurts. like a drink, doesn't it? <laughs> give me an I tie. That's a Mai Tai. I'll give you an I tie. I'll give you one. <laughs> I'll give you one of these. <laughs> Jesus. <coughs> My day was quite simple. I took it off. I did. What the hell? Everybody's taking days off. Well, I had to do mom's taxes. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah. Yes. I had to do mom's taxes, and I started to do my it's taxes. Not even April yet. Not they, even March. They need to have her taxes. Oh, well, they need to have They hers, demanded but them. But they don't need to have yours. Well, I started doing that. mine. I did, only started mine. I finished He's deliberately yours. wasting time. You're just trying to make me look bad because I do mine <laughs> literally on the last day. <laughs> That's because you're insane. I don't have time to do it. it takes too long. I've one, got a hundred thousand things to do. hundred thousand things to do. Indeed. Indeed. I shouldn't be doing this now. Why? <laughs> <laughs> but why? Well, your day was boring, Joe. It you was weren't on the boring. roof of the highest building in Utica. Well, it's not the highest, but. You weren't on... I was on the roof of the lowest you building. In you Utah. weren't trying to help beavers? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I totally wasn't. I did all kinds of things. Hardly useful to us. Does Nothing. not survive. I wrote our blog. Oh, yeah? Yes. What does it say? Maybe you should read it. To I don't even remember. It was probably ridiculous and embarrassing. I haven't posted it. I think it had something to do with Morlocks. Oh yeah, those are the like the the weird yes. kind of underground people, underground mole people from the movie uh, Journey. No, that was the Time movie. Yeah, it was the yeah Time Machine. Time Machine. Yeah. by H.G. Wells. Yeah. Rod, uh, whatever. Oh, Rod was. Taylor was in that one version. Yeah. He was terrible. Yeah, he was turning in. <laughs> <laughs> he was naming I turned names. in the commies. <laughs> he was naming names during the show. <laughs> <laughs> Wilbur Post was in that. Wilbur I Post know. played his ludicrous neighbor with a Scottish accent. Yeah, and then his, <laughs> his own son. Yeah, <laughs> later his own son. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because he was there in the nuclear war. <laughs> yeah, there was a nuclear war. It looked like we Get had a nuclear war the other day. No, it was yesterday. I was like driving back down the hill. And, and I'm not sure if you ever noticed, but if you're on the top of our hill, you know, Paris Hill, you can see, you can see all the way to, well, you can't, you can't see Lake Ontario, but you can see where the nuclear power plant is on Lake Ontario in Oswego because you can see the steam coming up from the cooling towers. <laughs> it was like in the Wait, shape of a mushroom. You can see cloud. that from your from your hill? Yeah. Yeah. You can pick it out. Yep. What the And it looked like it looked like the classic mushroom cloud. Oh <laughs> I was looking at the Oh great. There's like a mushroom cloud coming out of the so Oswego. Are you using plant. any any visual aids? No. You just see it naked eye. What the hell? Uh, you can see that I I can always pick out that the cloud coming out of that, of their uh, plant, 
from the top of one of our hills. <laughs> I can see Russia from my house. Yeah, no, it's like I can see Russia from. It's not that far as a bird flies, though, Joe. As a crow flies, it's like fifty miles or something to Oswego. Scriba. To, is that yeah, plant in Scriba? Is that it where? Must be. Yeah. Is yeah. that like Fitzpatrick or is it nine mile? I don't know which one. I think it's nine mile, but I don't know. I think it's. Oh, that's encouraging. I know. Shut the especially, sucker down. Especially since that's where our prevailing winds come from. Yeah, that's great. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I think of that whenever I stand on that hill. I think, yeah. Look. Well, every time I listen to WRVO, they got somebody on there talking about, oh, we're trying to save Fitzpatrick because they want to shut it down. <laughs> oh, darn it. Yeah. Because Entergy isn't making enough, isn't getting enough subsidy, essentially. So, I want to shut it down. Amazing. And they're trying to stop them. They're trying to stop them, eh? Well... Musical interlude. It's a chunky one. It's a nuclear power plant rag. In honor of Lincoln's birthday. I suppose we should probably play the Lincoln song in honor of Lincoln's birthday. I think that's a great idea. Lincoln suffered from depression, Joe. But it wasn't because of the war, you know. You still have that one someplace? Oh, yes. I think that's a wonderful idea. Yeah. I got it somewhere. Anything else? Are you going to play it now? That'll ruin it.
<laughs> that would totally ruin it. No, we have the recording somewhere. Um, we actually never finished that recording. We got to put a bass on it. We didn't finish anything. No. <laughs> we didn't finish the last record we put out. We didn't finish the songs, really. Well, That's we true. Kinda did, but... That's true. Well, what else would you like to play? Let's see. Hmm. 
Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Huh. 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 Milkman. 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 I got it somewhere. Yeah. Did you find it? I think so. That's kind of in honor of Washington. Because Washington makes milk. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell I'm getting tired. My humor is getting worse. It starts out bad and it gets worse. We could play Paradise. I think you played that recently. Yes, I guess we did. Okay. You always want to play that one. We could play something from one of our albums. Oh. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Ah, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. We could play, um,. I don't know. Play something in honor of the election that seems to be going on for a thousand years.
<laughs> More than a thousand years. Like some Ted Cruz inspired. He's my favorite. Ted Cruz Why wouldn't inspired he be? song. <laughs> He's so handsome. Not as handsome as Donald Trump. <laughs> no. Donald Trump is the winged Adonis of the Republican. And I'm sick and tired of him making fun of my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Jeb. Well, Michael Moore, Michael Moore, uh, wing of the Democratic Party. <laughs> Did he say something about? Yeah, he's Michael like Moore? comparing. Donald he's comparing Trump. Donald Trump to Michael Moore. Like, <laughs> and and they they're talking like Donald Trump is is um is a. Uh, 9-11 truther kind oh, of okay. thing because so they're, cause they're right. conflating they're conflating saying uh, that that W was kind of asleep at the wheel during 9-11 mm-hmm. as being part of the 9-11 conspiracy theory which is kind of an interesting conflation <laughs> he didn't keep us safe which means he was responsible Very strange. Very strange. Very strange of election. But, uh, yeah, revealing. Revealing. It's great. I like to see them throw crap at each other. It is. Very entertaining. It is very fun. At least they could give us entertainment. Yes. The games are meant for entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Maiko. <laughs> <laughs> This the Maiko is from Lost in Space, those of you who are not initiated. Uh, I guess we should probably go, shouldn't we? Because we're just kind of falling apart. This is a great podcast, isn't it, folks? This podcast sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's suck-a-dude. It's still a time to go song, I guess. See, here's the thing. What happens is that first we, like, spend the entire evening doing one thing and then we get to the end of the evening and it's like, oh, let's do the voice bit for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and by that time, we're both so tired we can't even talk or I think or move. Or think. And Matt got up at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I've been getting up later lately. Well, that's good. I got up now at like 4.45. Wow. That's like the latest I've gotten up all year. The day's shot by then. <laughs> <laughs> The day is half done. 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 It's half done. <laughs> that sounds a little bit like our Sylvester Stallone song. <laughs> Every guy who went over there spilled his guts for his country Get what is what I want I want everyone to love me So in the film I'm back in now with super strength to fight them Every guy who went over there and spilled his guts for his country I can't think inside
inside my head and inside my head there is longing I must put right what isn't right and put it right in movies I hate every freak who made us lose now kill their heads with explosions all I want is what they want they want everyone to love me Imagine Green Acres style guitar here. But for every guy who went over there and spilled his guts for his country, all they want is what I want. I want everyone to love me. Three arrows strapped to my back I defeat their combined armed forces And with those same three arrows I'll save those guys And bring them home in movies Then I'll make those commies Sift through their bones And send back all the white ones All I want is what they want I want everyone to love me I want everyone to love me I want everyone to love me I want everyone I think we remembered all the words. That's our Rambo song. That never happens. Yeah, (laughs) that never happens. You know, that almost never happens. We haven't played that song in about forty years. Forty years is a long time. Kind of more like twenty years. Well, twenty years is a long. Well, maybe we played it a couple of years ago, but we might have played it last week. (laughs) No, we didn't play it last week. There's no way we could have played it last week. There is no last week. There is no Lord. (laughs) (laughs) The last in space reference. Yeah. Okay. It's time for us to go. (laughs) It's a very similar song. (laughs) Yeah, I noticed. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Damn it. No, I got that in my head. It's time for us to go. I think it's coming around again. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us. It's time for us. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us. It's time for us. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us. It's time for us to go. It's time for us. It's time for us to go. Time for us to go. Time for us. It's time for us to go. Time for us to go. Time for us to go. We're gone.
<laughs> You're not that Matt Perry <laughs> from Colorado. <laughs> Over. Well, that's all we got. Rather Hope you enjoyed it. I didn't. As much as we enjoyed giving it to you, I'm exhausted now. This is Big Green brought to you by the Koch Brothers. <laughs> They're so faithful. Indeed. They're very broad-minded when you, uh, when you talk to them nicely. It's, I know. <laughs> as long as their nanny isn't on her way back to be with the Fuhrer. <laughs> more about that later. Find out more about us at big-green.net. Follow me on Twitter at, at Big Green Joe. <laughs>